is no pharaoh on the Nile. Our toil is neither mud nor brick nor sand. Our ankles bear no calluses from chains, yet, Lord, we're bound. Imprisoned here we dwell in our own land. Deliver us, deliver us, so Yahweh hear our cry. And gather us beneath your wings tonight. Our sins, they are more numerous than all the lambs we slay. Our shackles, they were made with our own hands. Our toil is our atonement and our freedom yours to give. So Yahweh, break this silence if you can. Deliver us, deliver us, oh Yahweh, hear our cry. And gather us beneath your wings tonight. Deliver us, deliver us, oh Yahweh, hear our cry. And gather us beneath your wings tonight. from Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance was that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him low in esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we were healed. 
We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shear is silent, so did he not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For, tran- for the transgressions of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had not done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and that the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will be justified, will justify many, and he will bear their inequities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Oh, there was the cry, deliver us, our sins, our sins are so great. There were the promises of Isaiah that there would be the one who would come, one who would have our transgressions placed on him, that he would be crushed for our iniquities, that he would be like the sheep taken to the slaughter, that he would be the way to pay for our sins. And those who, who heard him, who saw his miracles and believed and followed him, had great expectation, right? But then he did all those things predicted in Isaiah by going to the cross. And the weight of all our sin being on him and the punishment that we deserve fell on him and they watched him as he died a horrific death. And then the one they were planning to follow into glory, they watched be taken and placed in a a tomb, in a cave that was his burial place. And they had, it seemed, nothing. And then there was another day, a night and another day, and another night, and And what if you could be in that cave, in that tomb where Jesus was laid? Cold as death, you could say. Totally still. Stale air. Suffocating you almost. And that body laying there stiff and cold. But then, but then, listen carefully. Something's going to change.
Matthew 28, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And this and his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook from fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. 
Come see the place where he was lying and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. Therefore, you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb and quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Rejoice! And they came up and looked, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, bring word to my brothers to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, that, now while they were on their way, some of the men from the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, His disciples came at night and stole him while you were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, he will appe- we will appease him and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority is in heaven and on earth has given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.
darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. Then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. It's your First Corinthians 15. So it says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of all the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle." because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me is not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are to be pitied 
more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all were made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he puts his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For here he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who has put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him, who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. I mean that, brothers. Just as surely as I glory over you in Jesus Christ our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the earthly bodies is one kind, and the splendor, I said earthly, splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of heavenly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, but it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. For if there is a spiritual body, there is also a natural body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as is the man from heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We are not all, we will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. 
For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord has not been in vain. Easter's not just about looking back to something that happened 2,000 years ago. Easter is always forward-looking, pressing us toward a future that Jesus made possible by taking our sins on the cross. And in our place, receiving the punishment that we justly deserved so we could be forgiven, so that he could then turn around and offer us the free gift of eternal life so that we could have our have have new life with him forever and ever he, he wants to just kind of wrap us up in his life when we believe in him and just take us from that point on into eternity i want to read to you again part of what james read earlier from first corinthians 15 just in case you didn't catch it no but it's the forward looking part of easter Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. It's Paul's way of saying physically die. But we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ, will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, Where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. It's a future of excitement, a future of great hope when you are in Christ, when you're bound up with him by having believed in him and trusted your life, your future, your eternity to him. And that's what the end of this is all about. If it weren't for the resurrection, as earlier in the chapter says, we'd be the most pitiful of all people. You've believed in these old words that change nothing. But if Christ has raised from the dead, here's the truth. We won't go into eternity in these old, broken down, dying bodies, will we? But in fact, we will be raised new. 
And if we're not dead when Jesus comes back already, boom, we will be changed into that new person, new body, sinless, that we have been promised from him. But I do want you to understand that being in Christ and dying and living with him is not an opt-out kind of thing, to put it in our, our world's days. You don't opt out of being in Christ. You have to opt in to being in him. He doesn't force anyone to be in him, to believe in him, to receive his gift of eternal life. You have to choose that for yourself. You have to say, yes, Jesus, I am a sinner. I do deserve eternal punishment. I take your gift. John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 are Jesus' words on this, this topic. comes right after that most famous verse, John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But Jesus continues on after that to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So there is a sense in which you can opt out of something, and that's judgment which we're all under. It's all ours. But we can opt out of that, opt into Jesus, who takes care of our judgment, takes us out of the realm of being judged because he puts his righteousness on us. And when God sees those who believe in his son, he just sees Jesus' righteousness. Then, no more judgment, but only an eternity with Jesus. So I would encourage you today, make sure you know that you have opted in, that you have believed in Jesus. You've entered into being totally wrapped up with him today. Uh, But I will warn you, when you do that, it'll change everything. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you see the world. It will change how you deal with these temporary things in this life and thrust your view into Eternity. So you can look at the things in this world as as unimportant as they truly are from the perspective of changing your direction. And you'll say, Lord, where do you want my direction to go so that I can do eternal things with all this stuff that's around me? So that I can do things that will last, that will matter into eternity. Listen to what Romans uh, says about the, the, the resurrection life. Romans 6, verses 5 through 11 says, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death 
no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. He has a whole new future for you in him. And the ultimate culmination of all that Jesus has accomplished in his death, his burial, his resurrection, is that all that who put their faith in him will one day be gathered together with him in the completeness and perfection of heaven. And heaven, that's the place where we'll be fully celebrating the new life that is ours with Jesus, fully living it, fully being totally fulfilled for the first time, but not that it goes on in that fulfillment forever and ever. Are you excited about that? Isn't that the greatest thing that ever happened? Is it yours? If it is yours, that excitement should be growing in you. So now that's the theme of the last song we're going to sing this morning. And we're going to invite you to sing the last chorus with us. So be listening carefully. But let me just read to you first the final verse of this song and the last chorus. Because it's pointing ahead to that hope when we go to be with Jesus. And it says, And on that day we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith with one voice a thousand generations sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Forever he shall reign. So here's the chorus. This is the part you're going to sing with us the very last time. Ready? So let it be today, we shout the hymn of heaven. With angels and the saints, we raise a mighty roar. Glory to our God, who gave us life beyond the grave. Holy Holy is the Lord. Holy. Holy is the Lord. Holy. Holy is the Lord. Look up. 
Amen? Amen. Go out (laughs) into this new life that is ours in Jesus. You're dismissed.